We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, much has been made for a good reason of Nick Benito's injury and absence what do we know about it? You had the story for us at milehighhuddle.com, an update on Nick Benito, and when can Broncos fans expect to see him back in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, uh, coming out of the Chargers game, Sean Payton was pretty vague about what was ailing Nick Benito. Finally, yesterday, he came out and said it's an MCL issue for Benito. He called him questionable. He said he's, he said he's optimistic, but Benito was DNP for Wednesday and Thursday's practice, Chad. So unless he's limited, that would give him a slight chance to play Sunday. But I still think the following Sunday, next week against the Chargers, uh, it will be his return. So it's not an overly serious injury. I'm surprised that Peyton said anything about it, just knowing his style. But it is good to at least get a little bit of context. Yeah, um, They could use it. I mean, that's one of the things that as we get closer to uh, – the end of this season and we'll see how the playoff thing shakes out for the Broncos, but starting to kind of keep at least a, a fraction of our brain on roster needs, the draft free agency, man, I feel like the Broncos really need just a sure thing, uh, no brainer edge rusher to pair with this young core because each of them, uh, you know, they're like a sum of their parts, so to speak, uh, right. rush linebacker core and they're, they're good and they each have their strengths and, and things they bring to the table, but none of them are really complete, especially Zach, as it applies to or when it comes to consistency. But hey, Nick Benito, last I checked, still leading the team in sacks, maybe by a half sack over Cooper now. He has seven. Yeah. He also leads the Broncos in tackles for loss with 11. So his absence was definitely felt, but you're right. They don't have that stud alpha at outside linebacker. They need like a Von Miller type talent right now. They have a collection of role players and number twos, no true number one. So yeah, any position in the front seven, Chad uh, should be upgraded this off season. What do we know about Greg Dulcich? Because I want you to answer this Zach, but I just want to set the stage real quick because they brought him back or they, he hasn't been activated off injured reserve, but they did start his clock last week. He practices Wednesday, listed with a hamstring. And then when the injury report comes out the next day, he or the practice report, I should say, he is a DNP and 
it's now hamstring slash foot. So yep. he suffered a, a foot injury. And then Monday, and of course, he they didn't activate him. What they ended up doing was uh, signing <coughs> Lucas Kroll from the practice squad to the active roster. And then cut to Monday, Sean Payton in his conference call uh, said that, hey, pump the brakes on uh, Dulcich being done for the season because of the foot. We think he still can play. We're going to know more this week. I mean, a couple practices in, two DNPs, right? Yeah, he was working off to the side today, but technically DNP. I'll believe it when I see it with Greg Dulcich. I mean, he's literally Jake Butt part two. It'd be great to get him on the field, but you can't count him count on him to ever remain healthy. So they're going to have to keep pushing forward for the time being, Chad, with Adam Troutman and Chris Manhurts and Lucas Kroll. There's lots and lots more to get to, guys. But uh, as it just kind of happens to be, Tonight, you know what I'm having for dinner? I mean, it's a game day. It's not a Bronco game day, but it's a game day. And I bet you'll never guess what I'm having for dinner. Pizza, pizza. That's right. And you, too, should make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor, by the way, of the NFL, part of your game day, as it is here at Casa Jensen and MHH Central. You order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. You choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave, Zach, and either way, just like me tonight, you win. Yeah, I'm not going to judge anyone for their own preferences. I'm a big fan of Little Caesars, and I definitely feel like I'm winning every time I eat their delicious food. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza Pick up portal. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. All right. So, oh, the Duchess from the top rope helping us kick things off with a plum. Thank it's you, not with a plum, with a plum, with panache, with her bombastic style. We love you so much, Michaela. Thank you. It's kind of Zach been a little bit of a sleepy week for us here at MHH, not in terms of. Uh, us and how much content we're cranking out and how hard we're working, but just kind of Broncos fans for understandable reasons. I mean, it's a busy week. Everyone's getting ready for Christmas. A lot of people are traveling or making preparations to travel. So it's kind of been a sleepy week of a super chat like this off the top rope. Definitely really helps us kind of uh, catch up and, and feel good. So we're feeling it. We're feeling the love. Thank you, Michaela. You're the bomb. She says, Merry Xmas and happy new year to you and your family. Hope for a Bronco. Let's hope for a Broncos win. Much love, Zach. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well, Michaela. You are truly unbelievable. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And yes, let's hope for a Broncos win this week. And uh, I do think, Chad, they'll get back on their winning ways against New England. Tomorrow morning, we'll have the official Mile High Roundtable article at milehighhuddle.com. So keep an eye out for that. Although if you uh, pick apart the things we say tonight, you might be able to uh, get a hint on how Zach and I are viewing this as Zach just gave you, but love you, Michaela. Thank you so much. Um, seriously, really does mean a lot to us, especially this week. Uh, Troy jumping in. Good to see you, bro. So consistent. Every single podcast, you, whether it's ours or one of the other shows showing support, keeping the conversation going. Love it, dude. It says, uh, does Troy, Hey guys, we need to evaluate the young talent and we need to win. Can't wait to see how we balance that the last three weeks yeah i mean i think right now uh i mean it's always an evaluation right zach i mean every time they step out onto the grass it's an evaluation but i think right now the broncos really have to err on the side of production uh relative to uh or versus i should say you know uh potential or youth etc 
And the reality here, Zach, is on top of that, Broncos are pretty young anyway. And a lot of those young players are seeing the field. I mean, we just got talking, got done talking about Nick Benito, who won't be on the field on Christmas Eve, but he's a guy the Broncos have relied on. He's in year two. I mean, Jonathan Cooper, is he year three or four? I think he's three, right? Or mm-hmm. four is he? Yeah, year three. Uh, Baron Brown in year three. I mean, just that co- that core alone uh, at outside linebacker shows that they're they're young, they're leaning on them. Uh, but right now they're pulling. They're going to pull out every stop they have to try and and win these last three and qualify. Yeah, what's the expression? You got to dance with the ones who brought you there, something like that. For as long as the Broncos are in the playoff race, uh, I agree with what Chad said. You have to just uh, keep rolling with your foundational players. But if they do lose this week or they get eliminated, let's say in week 18, by week 18, I would like to see some of the younger players get some action with an eye toward 2024. One player is Alex Palzuski, the tackle who the Broncos just activated off injured reserve. He's had a knee and a hand, I believe, for a little bit. He's been out of action but in the preseason chat he looks pretty good and you might want to start planning for life after Garrett Bowles because there's no guarantee that Bowles will return in 2024. Dude just when I think I got this cat's name down Pat you throw me a curveball you said Alex Palchuski right? Palzuski? Pal- or Palzuski yeah that's what you said I thought it was Palcheski. So no you know what's funny is I went to uh I went to high school um with a family that, uh, you know, I, well, I think they were, you know, second or third generation, uh, Polish and they had that ZC also in their name. And it just like, I think it is Chesky because their name was Sue check that CZ still represented like a ch- sound, like we would use a CH and I'm I, I, not while we're live, but I'm pretty sure it's Palchesky. And this is important just because his name is weird, dude. And try remembering how to spell it, Zach. It's not easy, even for guys like us who are dealing with words every day. Yeah, well, you know, Sal Pal, Sal Pal Antonio, we can call him Al Pal, make it easier. We don't have to butcher his last name. So, yes, Al Pal, I'd like to see him get some reps if the Broncos <laughs> are eliminated in the next couple of weeks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to see if there's any hints on his uh, on his player bio. But, yeah, he was a guy that before he got dinged up in the preseason, Zach, and ended up on IR, was really showing – I mean, he outkicked my expectations for what coverage he would provide. I think the Broncos were also pleasantly surprised. And I wrote about this today. We, we, should, we should talk about Quinn Miners breaking his silence on that penalty last week. But 
before we get to that, I was writing about this today and I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, Albert saying it's pronounced Palchevsky. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I've heard a million different ways now. And so I'm like up in the air, but as I'm writing about Quinn Miners and you know, the, the main thing of what he said, I get past that. I'm talking about the background, right? Let's give some background on the year Miners is having. I'm like, this dude is the second rank or highest rated graded, I should say guard in the NFL via PFF. And then I'm like, look, you know what? Lloyd Cushenberry as well. Ninth highest graded center in the NFL per PFF. You had a write up kind of in this vein earlier this week yeah. as well. Garrett Bowles kind of back on the horse, back where he needs to be. The right tackle thing is still the right tackle thing. There's good, there's some bad, but there's still a lot of good. You know, it kind of gets to use uh, McGlinchey's own words right back at him, but on a different topic, blown out of proportion a little bit. And Ben Powers, he's been about what you would expect from a solid veteran um, guard. But this all says, Zach, to me, good hire, Zach Street amazing hire everyone but McGlinchey has taken a quantum leap forward and even McGlinchey's uh run blocking has been pretty good it's, it's his pass blocking that's the problem but yeah the article that you were talking about with Cushenberry he cracked the PFF impending top 100 free agent list Chad and they project him to get a four-year 57 million dollar contract on the open market now do the Broncos pay that after paying powers paying McGlinchey uh having Quinn Miners up for an extension I do not know but it's a good problem to have after so many years of poor ol play man it, uh albert jumping in again good to see you by the way give our best to michelle your awesome wife albert says kush is still part of the is kush still part of the team next year he says i don't think so he will be too expensive yeah. well as often is the case one thing to keep in mind is these um, media publications projecting a player's worth doesn't always pan out that way sometimes it does uh but it doesn't always and buyer beware on one-year wonders and that includes the broncos so as encouraging zach as it's been to see kush rise to the occasion in a contract year you also have to factor that into you know what you're willing to offer this dude if you are willing to offer and i'm sure they will uh the fact that well it was nice seeing it this year but what about the three previous years exactly. can we project that going forward uh, i think they'll definitely make an, uh, an offer zach but you do have to be beware a little bit yeah, you have to wonder why was he so bad and suddenly good in a contract year. I don't want to take anything away from Zach Streif, who's done an amazing job, but Cushenberry hasn't been the most reliable uh, historically. And maybe it's a hot take, but if it's between Quinn Miners and Cushenberry, who you keep, I feel like it's a little easier. Unless the center is like a J Jason Kelsey, which Cushenberry is not, it's a little easier to replace a center than finding that stud guard. And Quinn Miners, Chad, has been capital S stud, all pro caliber talent this year. I remember on the uh, the same sheet we show you guys when we go through the head-to-head, -head, which we're going to do a little bit later uh, tonight, they had that section for the longest time, Zach, that any player name that was a little bit tricky, they would literally spell it out for you phonetically, how to pronounce the name. And I'm just like in between our back and forth, I'm scrolling, trying to find it because this is going to bother me. Um, all right, let me uh, let me see what... Scott's saying, uh, he's saying Palchevsky too, <clears throat> uh, on the, on the topic, Zach of projections and what kind of earnings await Scott's saying Dalton Reisner got about 20% of what his projection was, which is a good reminder. And 
Last thing from Scott Reisner is playing at a mid-level, and mid is about $5 million per year. Four years, $25 million guaranteed, he says, would be reasonable. I think that would be reasonable as well, Zach, but Cushenberry's representatives, you know, they're saving those headlines, and they're holding on to those grades and this and that, and they're definitely going to push for more than that. Yeah, I think the upside to Cushenberry is he's young. He's 26 or 27. He's durable for the most part, and he's experienced. A 54-game starter since 2020, uh, it's not easy to find in the NFL. And I do think all it takes is one team to overpay one player to put that player out of the Broncos' ballpark. I would like to retain everyone. I just don't think it's that feasible sinking that much money into one positional group when you gave $87 million to McGlinchey and uh, what was it to, to uh, Powers? 40 yeah, I think so. Um, we should we should look at that real quick. Uh, powers, I'm trying. Let's. I bet I bet you're right. Yeah, four. Well, four year. Ben Powers, four year, fifty one point five million, but it was uh, basically a twenty eight and a half million guaranteed deal with thirteen to sign. Um, so, you know, four years down the road, was it four? No, three years, I think, down the road from Graham Glasgow, the rate, you know, just like all things, inflation, baby. Yeah, plus you have, as uh, Isaiah points out in the chat, you have other players who are due for extensions that are at the front of the financial line. Like, I'm not paying Cushionberry before I pay Patrick Sertan, for example. So it's going to be tough for the Broncos to hash that out. And then you look at their salary cap outlook for next year. They're going to be over the salary cap, not under the salary cap as it stands now. They're going to have to make some moves, Chad, to squeeze everyone under that uh, under that cap. Well, and as Scott points out, you know, the Powers deal is one of the few recent signings that is not completely underwater and upside down for the Broncos. So you got to ask yourself on a on an APY of whatever that is, 12 and a half million plus, you know, 12 and 12.8 million per year has what? powers provided this season has his performance zach justified yeah that money and if the answer if the broncos decide no well then they'll free up some cap and go find themselves another one because it's really bizarre uh uncanny i'll even say zach how similar the ben powers graham glasgow situations were because they were both like fringe level pro bowlers not having not been to a pro bowl but like fringe level on teams that you know had had a little bit of a reputation in the trenches at the time. Glasgow, obviously, Zach, uh, did not benefit from from what we would consider to be, you know, competent coaching, whereas power seems to be uh, in Denver in year one. But it's weird how similar they are. The deals obviously are a little outsized, but because they're three years apart. If you looked at it, uh, I'm not going to math right now, but if you looked at it and, and adjusted for inflation, I bet the deal Graham Glasgow got, uh, in 2020, uh, compared to what Powers got this year, they're probably pretty dang close. Well, the way I look at it, really quickly to put a bow on the topic, if you let Cushenberry walk, at least you drafted Forsyth as a potential replacement. If you let um, Miners go or if you cut Powers, who do you have to replace them? You have Quinn Bailey? That's not going to cut it. So I just think one is a tad more valuable, though squid squeezing anyone under the cap next year is going to be uh, an uphill battle. Phil, down in Tucson, who proves each and every day the Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a state of being. Love you, big dog. He says, good evening, Chad Zach and Deacon Scott. 
Merry Christmas, guys. Right back at you. Merry Christmas to you and yours, Phil. And that goes to everybody in the community. It says, based on the real possibility of a snow game, we should have a good day running. I hope. Hashtag Buckham, MHH for life. Go Broncos. Hashtag win out. So yes and no. I don't mean to uh, throw a wet blanket on that, but the Patriots defense is stingy. So if anything, it just turns it, Zach, even more into a freaking rock fight. Plus, the Broncos running game is not good right now, whether it's the blocking up front or Javante Williams. I love the guy, but maybe he should have taken a little more time off before returning. He's not the same decisive, explosive, powerful self as before. But the entire running game, maybe except for Samaj P. Ryan is struggling. But the great equalizer could be the weather. If it's a weather type game, maybe it's like a 6-3 final score and whoever controls the ball and uh, plays clean, efficient football could get the vit the victory. Indeed, it's going to be one of those games, you know, because even Zach, um, all of the, you know, counting all of the limitations of this year's iteration of the Patriots, any team coached by Bill Belichick is going to be uber prepared and primed to exploit and capitalize on any mistakes that you make. So this is one of those games where you really, I mean, the margin in the NFL, it's always slim, but especially a game like this, not because the Patriots have Tom Brady back there and can march down and score, you know, in three plays, but because it's still Bill Belichick. You got to, you got to keep that in mind. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of the weather, the, the Broncos running game does have to get back on track because that was the catalyst for the offense that made Russell Wilson, a better quarterback uh, that produced more points. It just makes the offense flow easier and i'll tell you what a potential snow game against new england cj anderson is not walking through that door like in 2015 so javante has to step up be better mclaughlin p ryan the blocking it just wholesale has to improve man that brings up some good memories for me i was at that game that was a legendary legendary uh night uh drake what's going on big dog one of our colleagues at the sister site horseshoe huddle jumping in he has his own podcast and yet here he is not only patronizing us with a very generous super chat but contributing to the broncos country conversation drake you're a legend thank you big dog check him out on twitter follow him d walster drake something or other in his his podcast horseshoe huddle podcast he's he knows what he's talking about uh drake says dudes merry christmas boys two quick hitters one is sutton playing his best football of his career and two is this team making the postseason drake merry christmas right back at you give our best to your missus and excited for what's coming for you this year really stoked um i think you know it's a negligible difference probably zach you know or they might say a distinction without a difference but i would put his 2019 pro bowl year a little bit higher than what I'm this year just because the big popping explosion stuff was more not as many touchdowns obviously he finished with six touchdowns that year but 1200 receiving yards it was just a more explosively consistent impact week in week out this year Zach you get stuff like this you know three for 32 and two touchdowns yeah. you know and then a game of four for you know 39 no touchdowns, and then, you know, six for 75 and a touchdown. Whereas if you go look at his uh, uh, his game by games 2019, it was just a lot more consistent. So I think he's smarter between the years. He's more experienced. He's more wise. 
But again, you might think, Zach, it's a distinction without a difference. But I would still err slightly on 2019. But it doesn't take away from the fact that dude is deserving of some accolades this year. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much, Drake. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it's either this season or 2019 when he was a pro bowler. I'm going to give the edge to this season because not only he was second in the league in touchdown catches, he's also number one in the league in contested catch rate per PFF. That's a big deal. That means he's back to the 80-20 self, not the 50-50 self. But what gives me the tiebreaker is he seems, Chad, maybe I'm wrong, my perception, he's getting a lot more national attention this year because of the catches he's made, the crunch time, the clutch uh, grabs, the toe taps, the spectacular catches he's made, I think out overshadows what he did in 2019. So the, the counting stats from that year might be better, but I think the impact he's making in a better offense with a better head coach and a better quarterback is the uh, the deciding factor. What have you done for me lately, baby? Well, for Cortland Sutton, he's done quite a lot. So, again, we don't want to take that away from him. But you know what, Drake, on your second uh, quick hitter there, man, your team's making it really hard for us to project this. I mean, one of the – I mean, the biggest unfortunate result of losing to the Lions last week, even though it was non-conference, was the Broncos still had quite a lot of control over how their – playoff uh, destiny would unfold and losing that game you lost really any modicum outside of win out and hope that teams like the Colts who just refuse to go down they refuse to bow out they are in it on the division and they're in it obviously the playoffs started this weekend for example the Colts are in as the last wild card team along with the Bengals and Browns now on the bubble you have the Texans as the eight seed Uh, The Bills, nine. The Steelers, who also lost last week at 10. Then the Broncos. So as it stands, I mean, NFL.com gives the Broncos 27% chance of making the playoffs. If they lose this week, Zach, that drops to 4%. If they win, that current 27% chance of making it will rise to 37%. So it'll rise 10 points. So it just goes to show you how each and every one of these games, how how pivotal each one is. So first things first, handle the the Patriots. And right now, just with how hot some of these other teams are, Zach, including the Colts, um, the Texans refuse to go down. The Bengals have risen. The Browns won't go down. Right now, if I had to bet on it, you said, hey, mortgage payment. What what are you doing with it? You know, you're betting it like gun to your head. What are you doing? I'm probably erring on the side of they blew it last week. Yeah, Drake, uh, Shane Steichen has really impressed me. I I would maybe consider him for coach of the year after losing Richardson. But if basically if the Broncos went out, they would have a 79 or 76 percent chance of getting in. So not a sure thing, but more than likely if they win two out of three, uh, they would need some help for sure. But a decent chance if they lose two, they're done. Um, It's just so tough to me because, Chad, I feel like if they can't beat Bailey Zappi and a terrible Patriots team, if they can't beat Easton Stick and a terrible Chargers team, if they can't beat Aiden O'Connell and a pretty bad Raiders team, they don't really deserve to get in the playoffs anyway. So, yeah, you're right. Take care of business on Sunday and then hope the teams in front of the Broncos, including the Colts, uh, lose. So true. We'll see how it shakes out. But what an exciting time to be a fan of the Broncos. And in your case, Drake, also the Colts. Uh, The Ronk jumping in with some generous, generous stars of just a phenomenal showing on Facebook. Our ambassador on Facebook, no doubt about it. Thank you, Mike. Love you, big dog. Good evening right back at you. 
and uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you're having an excellent Christmas season. Thank you, Michael. Merry Christmas to you and yours. You're awesome, big dog. A couple of quick shout outs in the chat. I see Todd Ostendorf uh, in there. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, Albert Knoppers, of course, we've mentioned him a couple of times. Pearl, uh, let me see. John Libick's in the house. Good evening, right back at you, buddy. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, this is cool. All right, so we are at, where are we at? 25, 26 minutes. I think maybe uh, let's talk about what Quinn Miner said real fast about the penalty. I mean, I don't know how much it serves us to keep the conversation on Detroit, but it is worth talking about, Zach, if only because it was such a high-profile, controversial kind of moment, uh, penalty that then led to an even more controversial moment on the sideline between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. So uh, real quick, I'm just, I'll, I'll just read to you what Miner said. Actually, I'm just going to paraphrase. Here's what he said. He said, look, dude, I'll say this. It was close. And Zach, by the way, that's what you do on those goal line or short yardage to go situations. That's what I've done my entire career is line up that close. He seemed to be Zach recognizing that he was pushing the envelope a little bit in terms of his, uh, you know, proximity to the neutral zone. However, quite clearly without coming out and saying it, he's saying, look, I, it's what I do every time. And they called it this time. Uh, and then he went on to say, by the way, Zach, that the refs, not only this is me interpreting, did, not only did they botch his penalty, that was like, what? But they missed a face mask on the guy who scored the touchdown, Burton. Uh, so that's what he said. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of want to leave Detroit and Detroit and move on to New England, but it was a ticky-tack call, let's be real. I mean, technically you could call them offside, and it seemed like the NFL is going out of their way to call these offside on offensive player penalties ever since that Kansas City game. I read that there's been more offensive offside flags this season than the last like 10 years combined. It's like one of the newest trends for whatever reason. But the more important point is the dust-up between Sean and Russ, and I feel – uh, Joe Lombardi, the Broncos OC today, gave a really good analogy when it came to that. He said, kind of like with Vegas, what happens on game day stays on game day. It's it's part of the of the NFL. It's part of football. It's part of coaching. You're going to have these animated uh, emotional moments. And Russell Wilson made light of it. Apparently, he went to the coach's office today, Sean Payton's offense, office, and said, uh, it's my turn to yell at you. So it's a little overblown by the media, of course, but I think everything is okay at Dovelli. It's onwards and upwards, baby. It is onwards and upwards. Um, the Broncos have fish to fry, and whatever frustrations remain, Zach, from that humiliating loss, that play in particular, and the fallout that led to the sideline deal, and I mean, that's been a story that refuses to go away. I mean, normally, Zach, when it comes to controversy, I mean, I'm happy to sit there and write four or five articles a week if it's a relevant story. Um, and that's probably about what we've cranked out at MHH since Saturday night. But uh, the last two or three, it's kind of been, well, this is something fans would definitely want to know. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write this. But it's basically guys like Peyton himself, Wilson, Today, Mike McGlinchey, who also said that Russ gets uh, SHI, you know what, more SHI, you know what, than anyone, you know, relative to the media, the way he's treated and all that. Uh, but it was, hopefully, I guess what I'm getting at in a rambling way here, Zach, is whatever frustration they have, 
take it out on the Patriots and yeah. do it in a in a elevated focus, high intensity type of way. Colby, the triple C. What's up, dude? Good to see you. Merry Christmas. Right back at you. My friend, he says, I'm here. Work is so slow. Last day tomorrow before break. Good for you, my friend. Yeah. Hopefully you get uh, more than two days. Hopefully you're getting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe even Monday. Maybe. Some employers are pretty cool about that. Depends on what, what uh, you know, line of work you're in. But thank you, Colby. Good to see you, big dog. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Colby. Thank you. Good to see you. Look at what we have here from across the pond. Another phenomenal member of Broncos country in Europe, Marcus Lewis Henna. We've missed you, dude. Hope you've been well. Appreciate you. Good to see you across the pond, my friend, and just another exemplary member of our community. Thank you for the support, big dog. Uh, Zach, should we uh, get to the head-to-head? Might as well, eh? Yeah. Let me let me uh, just click a couple things off here and get her pulled up. Uh, as you guys know, each and every week, we on Thursdays, we uh, take the opportunity to uh, do a little head-to-head. Oh, Marcus has something to say. Hey, guys, long time since I was on, but been ill. Merry Christmas. Oh, dude, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. We'll take, hopefully, you uh, being here tonight as a sign that you're yeah. back on your feet and on the men. But uh, thoughts and prayers to you, my friend. Glad to have you back. Yeah, get better, Marcus, if you haven't already. Stay strong, and we appreciate seeing you. Again, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, dude. No worries. When you're ill, that's health scare, health problems. You know, that's understandable and uh, has to be has to come first, so to speak. So we get that uh, totally. All right. As you guys know, with the head-to-head, uh, a green signifies top 10. Uh, red signifies bottom 10. And if it's black... It's in the middle. So as we look here and examine these two teams, Bill Belichick's squad is, once again, uncharacteristically, Zach, sub 500. I mean, it's been real bad, 3-11, and 11, especially offensively. The Broncos at 7-7, seven and seven, though, are ranked in the top 10 still in the turnover margin. They're plus 5. They've, they've taken it away five times more than they've given it away. Whereas, Zach, the Patriots are minus 8 on turnover, which only three teams are worse than them. Time of possession, neither one of these teams is doing well in that department. And this is a big signifier, Zach. You know, you brought up uh, – oh, who was it? It was Phil said, hey, hopefully we can run the ball if it ends up being a, a weather game. Uh, but this is a good indication of it. Uh, the O-lines and the run game overall, they've stayed true to it, but the, some, of the, some of the lack of – the limitations and lack of efficiency right here. Yeah, I mean, if you keep scrolling, I'm sure there's more red on the Patriots side, Chad. And look at that. It's like the Broncos offensive years past. I'm not concerned. I'll keep it short and sweet for my analysis on the, on this side of the ball. I am not concerned with the Broncos defense as bad as they looked against Detroit simply because the Patriots offense is horrific. I mean, Bailey, Zappi, uh, the corpse of Ezekiel Elliott, like a rookie receiver into Mario Douglas and Hunter Henry, the tight end who is a little banged up right now. He was limited in practice today. That is your starter cast in New England. The Broncos should have no issue holding them to lower yards, low points, and putting the offense in a good position. But that's where my concern is, and we'll get to that in a second, Chad. It's the Broncos offense against the Patriots defense. Yeah, look at all that red. So offensively yardage per game patriots are 28 the points they're dead last they're only averaging 13.3 rushing under 100 ranked 25th passing they're 26th 
They've been picked off 16 times, which there are only two teams that have been picked off more. Uh, but they've only lost six fumbles, which is tied for the eighth fewest. So they at least have that going for them. It's the only thing, you know, really to hang their hat on. I guess maybe red zone percentage, but they've been sacked 36 times. Uh, third down, there's three teams worse than the Patriots. But the red zone, Zach, at least they seem to kind of have their ducks in a row there. They're ranked 13th. Meanwhile, the Broncos, yards per game, 25th. Uh, yeah, let's see points 21.7, which is good for 16th in the NFL rushing 112 per game. That's 14th passing though. You know, this, the flow of game stuff and just overall the philosophy of run first, it served the Broncos well, especially over that win streak, but it does come at a cost. You really got to make hay. And when you get your chances to exploit openings and opportunities in the play action off of your run game, Zach, if you don't hit on them very consistently, you'll be one of these bottom 10 teams in passing. Uh, been intercepted only eight times, though. That's been a saving grace, which is tied for the fourth fewest. But 11 lost fumbles, most of which are as a result of Russell Wilson's strip sacks. And bad. That's, what's Yes, exactly. True. Uh, all right, sacks allowed, though. Look at this. You thought the Patriots were bad with 36. Broncos are worse with 40. Uh, third down percentage, the Broncos, Zach, 20th. And red zone, they've plummeted to uh, tied for 22nd. I mean, I don't really care. Everyone wants Russ to have the monster passing stats, but they are six points better in points per game than they were under Nathaniel Hackett. You can still win with this offense. And again, it's not... Um, that's my bigger concern is the Broncos offense against the Patriots defense. And we scroll down, Chad, everyone's clowning New England because of how bad they are. But that Belichick D remains legit. Pause. Taylor, brother, appreciate the super. Good to see you. It says, we'll be back on track this week with a win. Been a while, but did you guys believe PJ Locke had a bad game last Saturday? I hope both sides bounce back. We will uh, answer that in just a moment. Hang tight. As soon as we're done here, we will come back and talk about P.J. Locke and at least share our thoughts on that situation relative to Kareem uh, possibly coming back. I mean, he's no longer suspended, so he can come back this week. Uh, so hang tight on that, Taylor. All right, let's look at these two defenses. The Broncos uh, still are ranked in the bottom because of <laughs> a couple of real ugly ones early in the season, but um, they have chipped away at that steadily. Last week wasn't a help, obviously. That uh, sent them the wrong direction relative to the rankings. But if you look at these Patriots and the defense, top 10 in yards, uh, rushing, only one team is better than the Patriots, Zach, at stopping the run. They're allowing just 85 yards per game, uh, but they're also allowing 21 points per game. So that ties them for 16 or puts them at 16th. Passing, you can basically, to, to really move against the Patriots, you got to be efficient through the air and you can exploit them. Um, they only have nine picks this year as a, as a team, which ties them for 21st fewest. Uh, let's see. Uh, fumble recoveries, five. Three, only three teams have less than the Patriots there. And total takeaways, this is uh, just an absolute killer. They only have 14, which ties or ranks them 29th, and also they're 29th in sacks, but... Again, they're saving grace defensively, stopping the run. And as you would expect to see, Zach, from a Bill Belichick unit, very disciplined and effective situationally third down. They're, they're ranked 12th. Uh, and then in the red zone, they're ranked 6th. Meanwhile, 
The Broncos, 11 picks, 13 fumble recoveries. That's 24 takeaways. They're no longer first in the NFL. It's been a lot slimmer pickings the last couple, two, three games, and especially last week, not getting one. They've dropped to tied for third. Sacks, they only have 36, which ties them for 20th. Uh, and then third down percentage, there's, they've been very good here. Very good has Vance Joseph's defense on third down. They're second. They're the second best defense on third down. And then in the red zone, Zach, middle of the pack, uh, ranked 21st. Yeah, the, the Pats don't need necessarily uh, sacks or takeaways when they're getting teams off the field on third down and keeping them out of the red zone or the end zone for the most part. So Belichick is on point this year. And um, I mentioned this on Monday. That's what he's going to do. He's going to take away Javante, take away P. Ryan McLaughlin, take away the running game and make Russell Wilson beat him down the field. Can Russell Wilson do that? Uh, we shall find out. But you said something about the Miami game is still influencing these numbers. That was three months ago. It, it doesn't necessarily correlate anymore, Chad, and the Broncos have allowed 5.1 yards per carry on the season. If that were to hold, it'd be the worst mark in franchise history. It's a major coaching deficiency, and it's a major personnel issue. That front seven needs serious work in the offseason. It seems to me it's definitely more of a personnel, uh, a dearth of personnel, but Vance Joseph, you know, he's got to try to do more to overcome that, in my opinion. But, I mean, even just look at, as you you were talking about yards per rush, but, I mean, even look at the Broncos' yards per play. Yeah. 5.96, that ranks him 30th. Now, if you take out the, the, the Dolphins game and the Lions game, you'd be curious to see what that number is. But you can't. Yeah, it's yeah. part of the tapestry. It happened. So that's – and this is where they rank. Um uh, so, yeah, there there you have the defensive head-to-head. -head. And then just a quick couple of observations on specials. Riley Dixon, Zach, has the last few weeks steadily been bumping up from being like one of the worst two or three punters. He's climbing. His net punting average is much better. His gross punting average has improved incrementally. But other than that, that's the only area of the Broncos special teams that is not top 10. There still are the Broncos, thanks to Marvin Mims, first in punt return average and first in kick return average. And then as coverage units, they're tied, or ranked fifth uh, in punt coverage and 10th uh, in uh, kick return coverage. And then, thankfully, Will Lutz been pretty consistent on field goals. But the Patriots, a lot of red here. Gross punting hasn't been good. Punt return average uh, that they're getting on their returns not good. I mean, it's dismal. You look at their kickoff return average, it's better, but still middle of the pack. And then field goals, look at that, Zach. How would you like to be in a situation where your <laughs> kicker makes six out of 10 tries? Yeah, it's pretty bad. This is our weekly, you know, uh, uh, crapping on Riley Dixon and praising everything else about the Broncos special teams. Quietly, Chad, Will Lutz is having a Pro Bowl season, 93.1 percentage, uh, markedly better than Brandon McManus. He's been nails for the most part since week one. I'm pretty sure the Patriots have a rookie kicker, though, Chad Ryland. And yeah, it's not he's not exactly Adam Vinatieri, that's for sure. Uh, then let's look here. The Broncos no longer rank first in opponent penalties committed. So one game was all it took, that one Detroit game, and now they're ranked fifth in opponent penalties committed. And as you guys can probably remember from the first quarter of the season, they're, they're tied 19th for the total number of penalties the Broncos have committed, which is a vast improvement over being dead last for weeks and weeks in that department. Meanwhile, 
the Patriots, they're tied for 11th in the most penalties committed. Uh, 11th fewest. Yeah. Fewest, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, opponent penalties committed though. They are not doing as well of at getting their, their opponents, I guess, Zach to lose poise and, and, or they've just been unlucky one way, you know, one or the other. It's got to be uh, fewest because they have a better ranking with a lower number of penalties. So right. it's a typical Belichick team for the most part. Uh, good defense in the, in the post-Brady era anyway. Pretty uh, below average offense and the special teams was hit and miss. This game is there for the taking, though, for Denver. It's not going to be impossible by any means. All right, just real quick before we bounce out of this, I just want to examine a few statistics here. Uh, real quick, defensive tackles. So their leader is Bentley at 89. They got three in the 80s there. Uh, Singleton's still far and away the team lead. Jewel, if he stays healthy, will probably crack 100 tackles for third time in his career. Uh, Sacks, that's right. Benito leading the team with seven. What was it that Chubb, he made a he made a Pro Bowl on seven and a half sacks, right? Wasn't that one Pro Bowl in Denver a seven and a half sack season, oh, if memory God. serves? Uh, Cooper, one half sack behind him. He'll probably catch him or surpass him this week is my prediction. Uh, but the Patriots haven't been very good in this department. Their leader is five and a half sacks. Uh, Picks, Simmons has three leading the team. He hasn't been as prolific in this department, Zach, this year as far as his interceptions. But even getting to three as a safety for Simmons, man, he's risen up the, the boards of uh, Broncos' all-time list for safeties. Uh, and then let's see, receiving yards. Sutton is at 770. So he could crack Zach a thousand this year, but he would have to have two of his last three games, hundred yard types type games to get there. I don't know. Can you see a receiver making a pro bowl without a thousand yard campaign? Unless he had like 18 touchdown catches or something ridiculous. It'd have to be like ridiculously that. offset though. I think. Yeah. And I don't know if Sutton's going to get there, but I think he's deserving because the catches, the touchdowns he's made have been so clutch and have been game winners and just so spectacular. So whether he makes the Pro Bowl or not, we all recognize the Brock has made the right call keeping Cortland Sutton. And uh, it's been fun watching him get back to that pre-injury form. It's crazy because we predicted that Russell Wilson, I predicted anyway, I don't remember exactly what you predicted, that he would finish somewhere in the mid 20s in touchdown passes and he's already hit that so he'll probably push closer to 30 by the time it's all said and done so good to see on that net positive sean payton thank you but i did not see this coming like so few passing yards i mean dude if this was a traditional for decades and decades 16 game season he'd barely be projected based on his average getting over three thousand. Luckily, he gets three more bites at the apple. He'll probably finish, I mean, just based on his average, he'll finish somewhere around 3,400 passing yards. But, yeah, it's been a, a weird kind of quarterback season. Steps forward by Russ, Zach, but also just weird warts and limitations persisting. Yeah, I think I said these predictions were so long. I think like 3,200 was would be Russ's floor, and it just mattered uh, the context of those yards, and it still matters. If you watch the game, I mean, he's never going to really have a 400-yard, four-touchdown performance, but that's not how the Broncos' offense is structured. It's not how Sean Payton is drawing up the game plans. If he can have 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, and the Broncos win, that's a good game from Russell Wilson for me anyway. Okay, so before I forget, let's talk about uh, the topic for, for Taylor real quick here. So 
you guys are probably wondering, well, why hasn't Kareem Jackson already been put back on the roster? It's a good question. Um, I think it's mainly the Broncos are trying to figure out how to rob Peter to pay Paul because they have to cut someone to bring him back. They have till Monday. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. I can't imagine though, Zach, that they're not going to reinstate him. I don't know who ends up being on the losing end, but let's get to what he's saying about PJ Locke. Nobody had a good game on defense last week. Um, did he have a bad game last Saturday? Yeah, I would say he had a bad game. That whole secondary, that whole defense had a bad game, uncharacteristically, Zach, of how he's been playing. Uh, but yeah, I do think he'll bounce back. Um, but a little setback. Hopefully that's all it was. I mean, I can make a list of the Broncos' biggest problems coming out of that game, and P.J. Locke would be way near the bottom of that list. I mean, yep. he's a good young player who's still ascending and still developing, and I love him at that safety spot a lot more than I do, you know, ancient Kareem Jackson, who is just a negative influence because, yeah, he's a good run stuffer, but between the penalties, the reputation, the negative PR and baggage he's bringing, and also his lacking pass coverage, he needs to be a role player. He needs to be the backup he was supposed to be if Caden Stearns were, were gonna, uh, was going to stay healthy before the season. So just put P.J. Locke in place of Caden Stearns and call it a day with K-Jack. There you go. Thank you again, Taylor, and appreciate your patience, big dog. Uh, we have a – well, let me see what Mr. Producer's saying here. Uh, yeah, so Chubbs, thank you for the reminder, his Pro Bowl season of 2020, seven and a half sacks. Um, and, but for what it's worth, he got his – if you guys remember, Zach, he got his Pro Bowl, had the uh, notable kind of lost composure press conference. Remember, this was still uh, – I remember that one in particular being a, yeah, it's 2020. So it was still the, it was still the, the pandemic year. It was a zoom press conference and he was overcome and whatnot, but he was dealing with an injury. And so he missed the last two games. He won, he got not, you know, found out they got the pro bowl. They gave him a presser and then shut him down. So he probably would have come close. He would have had a shot at 10 sacks as a pro bowler, but it was surprising to this day. I'm still shocked. He got a pro bowl Zach at seven and a half sacks. And then we'll grab Gary. I still think if for a hundred years, I'll say unequivocally, the Broncos made the right call trading Bradley Chubb because it turned into Sean Payton. Uh, Chubb though had a monster game. I don't know if you saw what he did over the weekend to the jets, Chad and Nathaniel Hackett, but he was just, he was the first round pick. The Broncos thought they were getting. That was the Bradley Chubb. We all thought would be a consistent force in Denver. He just was never consistent enough. Three sacks, two forced fumbles last week against the Jets. On the season, he's got nine and a half. So good for Chubb. Uh, Gary, the GLP, the swashbuckler himself. He goes hard. He goes fast. Love you, big dog. Merry Christmas to you. He says, evening, Chad, Zach, and Broncos country. Did uh, PJ. Oh, Patrick Sertan. Yeah, PS. Okay, Patrick Sertan. Have a bad game. I thought he looked behind. Go Broncos. Yeah. Again, I would say nobody in that secondary, Zach, had a good game. Yeah. I mean, you could break it down, and I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I've watched the game film. We have people at MHH that do that. Um, I haven't watched the game film, coaches film, I should say, where you get the all 22 angles. But, you know, maybe there are guys in that secondary that had less to hang their heads about than others. But Sertan, you, you, one, here's the, my one nitpick on Sertan. 
I don't like, he seems to be one of now as a corner, you got to be resilient, right? And you got to have a short memory and you got to keep your head held high chin up. Like that's, if you don't, you're dead meat. And for some reason though, Zach, he seems to be one of the players, young players, albeit most susceptible to the, here we go again, mentality, mood shift when things go against him. And whether it's a play that he was on the losing end of himself, Zach, or if it was a big play that he had nothing to do with, but he's on the field. If you keep a close eye on him and, and pay attention to this, now that I've mentioned it, you'll see he does a lot of this stuff, man, where he's just dropping his head doing this. And that does trickle down and comes out in the wash uh, in how you perform and your focus and your intensity and just all that stuff. So I want to see him bounce back. I want to see that whole unit, Gary, bounce back, including PS2. Number one, he had that injury that he picked up a few weeks ago, and it could be hampering him. I mean, there's so many factors at play as to why he didn't have his best game, but he's not infallible. He's not a Hall of Famer yet. He he can be beat, uh, but he's still a, a tremendous player. But I thought the point that you made a few minutes ago, Chad, is the best answer to the question. No one really had a good game on defense for Denver. No one really had a good game in general for Denver. It'd be easier to name who had a bad game, Josie Jewell, uh, than it would to na- name the player that had a good game. It was just a, a bury-the-tape kind of performance. Indeed. Um, I'm just reminding myself real quick here. So, now I'm really like going down this rabbit hole on the Chubster. That's right. He did make a Pro Bowl last year in, in uh, Miami. So two-time Pro Bowler. He's part of the time on the Broncos, most of the time with the Dolphins. Interesting. All right. Just needed that reminder. We're at about 51 minutes. So, guys, it's about time for us to uh, say good night. Scott, we're caught up on, on the pressing topics. Okay. Uh, guys, we love you. We want you to have a, a Merry Christmas week. We're going to be seeing you after the game, Christmas Eve. So we'll get one last chance anyway to wish you a, a Merry Christmas. But if you're traveling, please be safe and uh, give our best to all your families. You're special to us. We love each and every one of you. Thank you. Don't leave yet, though. We have a couple messages. Well said. That was another tremendous installment of the Mile High Huddle podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on so I'll say social media at the MHH pod. You can find the main account at mile high huddle Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL and Scott, our producer at scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, like we're always rocking, check out MHHmerch.com and get you some. If you haven't drop us a like at facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. You can find us on Instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving your football pre-safe five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Last thing, still kind of wild that Bradley Chubb's career high in sacks was his rookie year. Weird. Uh, a shout out, mile high salute to our great super chat superstars and supporters tonight. The Duchess from the top rope. Thank you, Michaela. Troy, Drake, Taylor, Gary on Facebook. We've got the Ronk. We've got the Triple C, and we've got Marcus Lewis Henna again. Marcus, so stoked to have you back tonight, and uh, I hope you're back on your feet, and hope you have a merry Christmas over there. But much love and respect to each and every one of you. Don't forget tomorrow. Legends of Mile High with Thomas Hall on the bright, followed by Dove Valley Deep Divers. 
You got some orange and blue view Saturday, and then Zach and I back Christmas Eve, gut reaction, Broncos Patriots. Have a good start to your holiday weekend, everyone. We'll see you Sunday night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. 